0: now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay.
1: Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm your host, Bruce Clay, along with Mindy Weinstein, Virginia, Michael, and Christy.
2: Hey, everybody.
1: Hi, guys. we got a team here. Uh, we've got a great show for you today, and we'll be talking about paid search, Twitter, and Pinterest, uh, plus we have a... A few reminders about mobile usability at the end of our show today. We still are on a countdown to April 21st. I just want to quickly put out a reminder. Uh, April 21st, you should already be spidered by then. So you may very well have April 15th as a deadline. So just think that way. Um, The first topic is paid search growth.
3: Yeah, and, you know, there was some statistics that came out recently, and it was reported by Ignition One Platform, but they came out and said that the first quarter of this year that paid search has gone up, and it's been one of the strongest years. They also quoted that year over year, there's been a growth of 26%. So I thought that was pretty, that's a pretty high statistic and definitely catches your attention, especially if you are in the paid search realm. But, you know, Michael, we have you today to join our show, which we're so excited about. And since this is your your side of the digital marketing world, since you are the SEM manager at Bruce Clay, I'd like to hear your perspective. I mean, what have you seen this quarter, and have you seen any particular trends that may be different? And love to uh, see what you got.
4: Yeah, actually, I thought this was a very interesting article when I when I read it. I had really three takeaways from it. One being. Uh, there's been an aggressive growth on the on the Bing Yahoo network, uh, with a decline in the Google Search Partners network, uh, and and all of that was accompanied with a, a quite a significant increase in cost per click year over year, and quite frankly, I mean we've we've been seeing the same types of trends across our very own clients, especially on the uh, cost per click inflation. Uh, I believe here it said uh, cost per click was up about 21 percent. Uh, that's that's probably a, a, a conservative estimate, in my opinion. We've probably, we, I mean, we've seen CPCs much higher than that. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so I, I think a lot of this was 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 right on. Uh, we're seeing this. None of this was was really a surprise to us or or our clients. We've seen a lot of industry
1: uh, recaps published by Google on industry, whole industries, and uh, it really was that there was
4: modest
1: but moderate growth in cost per click up until the fourth quarter of last year. And then in the fourth quarter, it almost went to a 45-degree slope. I mean, it was radical increase in cost per click. Uh, The first quarter of this year isn't in yet because it's now just the beginning of April. But uh, from what we've seen, it looks like it'll continue to accelerate.
4: And,
3: and do you have any theories of why? I mean, that's what I was wondering when I was reading this, is, like, why Why are we seeing that?
4: Yeah, I think we saw aggressive uh, cost-per-click growth in Q4, mainly because it's, you know, the holiday season, retailers are ramping up their, their budgets, uh, you know, Black Friday, Christmas, Cyber Monday, so there's a lot of uh, digital uh, uh, events that, that are occurring during Q4 that require additional budget, more aggressive bids, and I think that's That's probably the main reason why we saw such an aggressive increase in Q4, to Bruce's point. What I think is going to happen in Q1 is when people accelerate
1: their bids in Q4, some companies may be slow to move them back down, which is going to cause other companies to have to keep them up. And the exception becomes the rule. And I think that we're going to see that it isn't going to go back to where it was at the beginning of Q4. Uh, and, in fact, if you look at year over year over year over year, cost per click never goes down. I mean, there's a natural inflation in it.
4: It's a good point, and, and I think that another uh, contributor to the increase in cost per click, the consistent increase in cost per click, has been mobile. We see with many of our clients that mobile drives a lot of the, the cost per click inflation, uh, which makes sense uh, as, as searchers are moving more uh, towards a, a mobile search environment. Uh, you know, advertisers are are adjusting to that and putting more of their budget into mobile. Uh, And and on the mobile side, by the way, it's it's a lot harder to uh, rank for uh, some of your ads because the ad space is much smaller and the real estate is much smaller on a mobile device. And so that inherently causes advertisers to... Yeah, it bid more aggressively for some of their top keywords, and and so there's a lot of saturation going on in the mobile space.
3: That, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about mobile, but that also makes complete sense because I think about on the SEO side, because that's what I know more about. And you know that top spot in the organic is such a big deal because the click through rate drops so significantly, you know, the farther down your rank. But yeah, I guess the same would definitely apply for mobile. You know, one of the other interesting things too that um, we're reporting, and what we were talking about with the statistics, it was an article posted on Search Engine Land. Um, but one of the other things in there is that Bing ads have been gaining market share. So, I mean, any thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. So we have seen again with some of our clients uh, that we're shifting. We tend to shift more budget into Bing these days than than the other way around. And I think the reason for that is Bing is still. In, in some industries, uh, an untapped resource, if you will. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, movement on the Bing side. Bing, Bing is investing a lot into their interface, into their into their tools, into their data uh, collection resources, things like that. And so it's, it's becoming easier. Uh, and and in, in a lot of ways, they're, they're really trying to mirror Google, in my opinion, because everyone's on Google, everyone's on AdWords, right? And so if everyone's used to using AdWords or used to using AdWords tools, it's, I, I believe, to Bing's... Uh, benefit to to mirror that and benchmark Google in a way, and offer that to their advertisers. And I think that's why we're seeing more of a, a of an increase in market share for Bing, um, and and somewhat of a flat to, to uh, decrease in market share for Google.
3: Interesting. Now, Michael, you know, as we're talking about paid search, I mean, what are some of the best practices you follow, you know, with with our clients and people we work with?
4: Well, I think a lot of it, uh, so each client is different, right, and so uh, everything that we do is really based on data. We're highly data-driven, so I guess the best practice for us is um, always make decisions based on data. Uh, we, we leverage Google. We have a close relationship with Google, so they provide us with a lot of proprietary uh, data that, that we can use to gain insights, to drive strategy for our clients, so I would just say... Um, you know, if you have data to support decisions, that's usually the best way to go because it's, it's very hard to argue <laughs> um, uh, data. So that's, that's usually a, a best practice for us. And then also, um, budget allocation is very important for many of our clients, right? And so we want to be able to, if, for example, Bing, Uh, provides a a better opportunity than Google even though it has a smaller market share if we're able to maximize more more dollars on the Bing network for example we'll do that and and we're not afraid to make those types of recommendations for our clients so again a lot of this is data-driven but uh... you know at the same time it's it's you don't want to necessarily follow the trends all the time you want to you want to do what's best for for the client in each individual situation
2: are there um, verticals or industries that you find perform best on Bing or you know would be an easy uh, decision for you to switch more budget over into Bing for PPC?
4: That's a great question so we've seen clients on, that are both lead gen and e-com uh, perform better on Bing than they do on Google so as far as industries go I mean I again each client's very testing. different it's yeah. definitely yeah it's definitely worth testing uh, I wouldn't say that one industry performs better on Bing than on Google as a whole.
2: I just know that it's like a different audience on Absolutely. Bing. So, Absolutely. So, you know, what, yeah. what patterns do we see there?
4: Yeah. Some clients it works good with, some some uh, some it doesn't.
2: What about enhanced campaigns? I know, you know, when that came out, everyone had to shift their game plan, and now that mobile is so important in targeting that mobile user with your ads, has enhanced campaigns made it easier, or is it just different?
4: I'd, I'd say enhanced campaigns, uh, at this point, the industry has adapted to the enhanced campaign format. Um, it, I will say it was probably still easier to target mobile uh, before enhanced campaigns or prior to, to, to the migration uh, mind you, actually, Bing just came out with their version of Enhanced Campaigns a couple weeks ago as well. So it's it has become more difficult to uh, target specific devices. Um, and, and, you know, it's it's in the best interest of, of the search engines to do that uh, from a revenue perspective. But mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't say it's become easier at all. Uh, it's just something that we've adapted to. And uh, thankfully, though, with the migration to Enhanced Campaigns on both Google and Bing, They've also come out with other uh, mobile-friendly tools or features that we can use, such as call-only ads on the Google side, mobile-only ads on both platforms. So in a way where we're not able to necessarily target as effectively, uh, we can still um, tailor our strategies a little bit better, if you will, because of the, the different mobile ad formats and ad extensions and things like that. So there's been pluses and there's been minuses to the enhanced campaign migration. And one of the things that we
1: also have, as an industry, been wrestling with is do we come up and hit a budget or do we go after a return on advertising spend or CPA number? Because sometimes in order to spend the budget, your CPA suffers. And we really are finding that mobile may have an entirely different CPA model and desktop.
4: That's that's very true. We see it. We see a lot of uh, uh, parity between or amongst the, the different uh, devices when we look at a per-client basis. Some clients we have mobile performs much better from a CPA perspective, whereas other clients uh, we we sometimes recommend to turn mobile off. Whether it's because they don't have a mobile ready site just yet, or if their audience or their their target customer is just not very mobile sa- uh mobile savvy. So there are a number of reasons why we may or may not target mobile, but to Bruce's point, we do see a lot of uh, variance uh, uh, on performance.
5: One of the SEM analysts was sharing with me that you guys have been looking at the call-only ad extensions, and you've seen some, like, interesting information on how to best use them. Um, can you share a little bit about that?
4: Yeah, so we're, we're still very much in the testing phase. Uh, this is a fairly new and by new I mean the last three weeks uh, feature that that Google has released the call only ads and uh, for one of our clients who does have a, a significant uh, portion of their traffic their web traffic come from mobile we are testing that the call only ads and we're seeing um, we're seeing mixed results to be honest at this point we but but again we haven't really rolled it out across many other clients we're only really testing it on one big client so um, there will definitely be more to come on that but I think it's a great concept uh, for for uh, especially because more people are on mobile these days, it is very important to to have uh, your brand um, uh, be able to to cater to those uh, mobile users. So I think it's going to be and interesting. Mortar. Yeah, absolutely, if you have a brick and mortar, that's a great example.
3: Um, yeah, now we have to take a quick break, and we can continue the conversation when we come back. But we are also going to be discussing another topic that is very intriguing, and it's men versus women when it comes to Google search. So we have more SEM Synergy coming up.
0: Don't go away. SEM Synergy will be right back.
6: So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at Mach speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com.
1: at BruceClay.com.
6: Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real-time. Power, your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me.
0: Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You are listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm.
3: We um, are continuing with SEM Synergy. Before our break, we were talking about paid search, and now we are shifting gears, and we are talking about men versus women when it comes to Google search. So there was a study that was done recently, and the study came out and said that according to research, men are better at Googling than women, which is very interesting. And I obviously have a strong opinion on that. I think the study might be flawed, but that's a side note. (laughs) But it just brings up some interesting points on how do men behave when it comes to search and how do women behave. And so some of the things that we're looking at, you know, what kind of searches were men doing? And one of the studies showed that men are far more active when when it comes to search, They generate more queries in the same time, and they click on more links per minute than women. On the other hand, women spend longer reading through the search results that are generated, and they're a little bit more purposeful when they do their searches. So they might add things to their search that men might not, or to their query. And one example that was given in an article that talked about the study was discussing shoes. So with women's shoes, you know, research has been done when women are searching, they don't just type in shoes, they'll type in their size. So there's different things like that that make search for men versus women a little bit different. And, of course, we can't see the demographic data exactly as someone's doing that search. is that a man doing that search or a woman. But it does just lead to some, like I said, some interesting points of, you know, how do we market to men and how do we market to women so we're accommodating the different search styles. And again, I do think, for the record, this is the on the record, I do think women are better Googlers, but again, that's a, that is my opinion. So let's open it up. I mean, what are your thoughts?
2: Uh, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> First of all, what, how can you even come to a conclusion about better Googling? If we find an answer, does it mean that it was done in a better way? Are you saying better means less steps, less searches, less minutes what, it, what is the, the criteria for better? If I take a little while and read a search page, but somebody's clicked, a man has clicked three links, does that mean that he did better? What if I got a better sense of the topic by reading a description of all the articles available on that first page?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that what you're really talking about in the article is that a woman knows how to search smarter. There you go. Not there you go. That's so okay. diplomatic. <laughs> Folks, I mean, that's what the assumption was out of the article. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily true. I think that uh, based upon the topic, we may find on certain topics, men are far better searchers, just not for shoes and sizes. Um, but isn't it? the kind of thing that, based upon your experience and that you've been doing this kind of a topic research more of your life, um, and and I'm I'm not going to express an opinion here, but I'll tell you, when we go to conferences, the guys that go to conferences bring, like, one pair of shoes. Women bring a suitcase. And I'm telling you, women are much more attuned to shopping for shoes than men because men just don't.
5: Well, Bruce, I don't think we can make these blanket statements because I'm a woman and at the last conference I brought two pairs of shoes. Virginia, how many shoes did you bring?
0: Like
3: three or four. Mindy?
1: Like three or four.
3: <laughs> Mindy, how many um, shoes? I, I, I don't remember.
5: <laughs>
1: uh-huh, I rushed my case.
3: Well, but
5: I bet there are some men who brought like a whole many of pairs of shoes And
2: that
3: is true and I and I do know I totally I come
5: disagree.
2: That <laughs> oh, See well if we can't even make like, you know like general statements that women like women like shoes more than men, then I don't know if we're ready to have this conversation. Because there are some truths I want to say. Like
1: But the well, fundamental question here is not whether it's shoes. The question is do women have a tendency to be able to find the information they're after faster, more efficiently than men, or do men. And I think it varies by topic. That's simply, but you're you're women, I'm a guy, you haven't yet told me what I think.
3: (laughs) Right, well, I know we all have our own biases. Now here's something interesting that uh, was published in in this um, article about the study, and it was talking about the brain. Okay, again, we have our biases and our beliefs, but... Then I was talking about the psychology of the brain, and there was a prof- psychology professor who in- investigated the different types of brain tissue. So what he came to the conclusion is that men have six and a half times more gray matter in their brains than women, which is typically associated with information processing centers. So And women have more white matter, which has to do with putting those all together. So one of the conclusions that was made was on men might be able to search and find the information, women are are good at integrating that information and assimilating it all together and understanding it. So, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's pluses on both sides, I'll put it that way, you know, and, and how search is done. But, you know, I wanted to lead this actually into even a bigger conversation because I think we can all agree, though, that men and women approach search differently and we might search for different things that has been brought up and we might even use different words you know, from a business perspective, and a digital marketing perspective, what do we do with that? You know, how do we approach paid search? How do we approach social? How do we approach SEO? You know, and those are one of the some of the things that I'd like to, to look at, too.
1: This would certainly have a tendency to cause us to have separate personas by gender, and each persona might have a different keyword list that they would normally use, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sizes might be something for shoes. Uh, for right, that guys, it might not. We just need to understand that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Michael, you, what do you is, think was on the research side? Pardon me?
3: Oh, oh, go ahead, Bruce, continue.
1: I was going to say, is there... Uh, the people here, do we believe that a gender would search for a brand differently? Or do we think that um, color differently. Women like different colors than men. And in fact, women know what colors are. Guys only know the primary colors. So, uh, I I am, I'll buy anything as long as it's black. So, I mean, how do we define keywords and gender preferences and and understand how people search if you don't understand their
4: persona.
2: Is there a way to tend to target gender on paid ads, search ads? And how often do you do that?
4: Uh, not necessarily on search, but on display, retargeting. We do have the ability to target age groups, genders, uh, mm-hmm. even income levels. I, I think a lot of this really comes down to just understanding your audience and, and your, right. target, your target customer. There is, for example, in Google Analytics, there is, uh, a function where you can enable demographic targeting. I'm not t- uh, not targeting, but analytics. So data, so you can see uh, by gender and by age group the people who are coming to your website and how they interact with your website. And I think that's an important piece in really, to Bruce's point, uh, figuring out how and and what we're going to do to target each gender. And it might be
1: that the right way for a business to view this would be, by gender, what is the closest point to conversion? Mm -hmm. By gender, what is the entry point? And those may be entirely different for men and women. They could even cross over in the middle. Men may come in generically, but they won't buy until they determine size. Whereas women know that they're going to need to know the size, so they come in by size, but they don't come in by brand. And there may be different things about the path to conversion, but it isn't clear that the conversion process is different. They have to have all the data points along the way in order to make a conscious decision.
5: So regardless of gender, even though one could argue that women probably shop more, um, if you're familiar with searching online and buying clothes, then you know sometimes if you're buying at like a discount site or like a, a... used site like Poshmark or ThreadUp, you need to know the size because maybe there's one dress but they don't have the dress in all the sizes so it's pointless to look for this betsy johnson dress if they only have a two and you want a six so i think that makes people women search with sizes sometimes more um Bruce, when you were talking about like how people search different differently with brands and stuff it made me think of something I do which I sincerely doubt um, a man might have done if I'm in a store and there's like a jacket I want and they don't have the right size or whatever I will take a picture of the tag and actually get like the SKU number and then that is what I search because I don't want to go through all these you know nonsense pictures of black jackets I want this specific black jacket and you can find it with the SKU number but men have you ever done that
1: i'll tell you i don't think i've ever taken a picture of a piece of clothing to go do a search <laughs> ever
5: but then you have the numbers and it's so efficient you if you wanted that black jacket you would be scrolling looking at pictures i have the number i'm only going to get that jacket far more efficient well i learned something oh
3: okay
4: i have done that sorry okay I <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs>
3: taking it away from the shopping, looking at shopping, I, I wonder as well, like for me, when I search you know, I'm and I'm a mother, and a lot of times if something's going on with one of my children and they have certain symptoms, I do go online, you know, I try not to self-diagnose to them myself and just leave it at that, but I will do searches, I get very detailed on what I'm looking for, but I know my husband doesn't do that, you know, and I also wonder if there are some differences there on the very specific type of queries we do. You know, so talking about like a runny nose, I might go with a whole sentence, a whole slew of symptoms and narrow down my search with that. But I think to really know who your market is, I mean, you do have to look at the data, which is what we're talking about. You have to know where people convert. You have to be able to define your personas, that's for sure. And then just even looking at your existing customer base, you know, what are the majority? You know, who are you trying to target? Because I think that all of that's going to play into this too.
1: So let me give an example, not quite the same. So I found a pair of shoes that I like, and I wear them because they're the soft gel soles, but they're floor shine, right? And I like the brand, I like the look, they look like nice dress shoes, but they're easier to walk in. And so I went to a store, I found them, I bought them, I saved the box. The next time I went to buy, I went to Amazon and bought that shoe, okay? Now what I do is I just go to Amazon and reorder. I don't even, I just go to my history and just reorder the same pair of shoes. I don't know that that's a behavior that everybody has. I don't search at all. I just go and reorder. Um, so my my behavior relative to shoes and sizes and everything is once it fits, it fits. <laughs> I don't have to worry about different brands and different styles and different colors. and. It, for me, it's a little bit simpler. It's
2: definitely to your point about different funnels and thinking about if your personas, different personas, have a different conversion funnel. That's a new topic for me. Yeah. And I
3: think that is one of the key takeaways here. You know, I I want to move on before we, we end our show it's just a, to just do our reminder about mobile. But I do think the key takeaways is understanding your audience and, like you said, understanding your conversion funnels and and knowing who you're going after and making sure that your message, your marketing message is right on point for that particular person, whether male or female. Now, as far as the verdict, I think it's still out regarding men versus women in Google, so we'll just leave that out there.
0: I'm sure everyone has their
3: own opinion. But I do want to close out today just as a reminder that you know April 21st is around the corner, and as Bruce mentioned when we started this show today, really you need to be targeting to have everything mobile ready by April 15th. You need to go into Google Webmaster Tools, look for mobile usability problems, solve whatever needs to be solved. Also, Google has their mobile-friendly testing tool. So I'd encourage you to do all those things because it is just around the corner, and you want to make sure that you do not get negatively impacted. So uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And we'd encourage you to connect with us on social media and to visit our blog, which is bruceclay.com slash blog. We are always keeping up to date on what's going out there or what's going on in the industry, and we'd like to uh, keep you up to date too. Thank you.